The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here also, come. All who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what, does not, what is not bread or your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, God says, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Or as Jesus himself said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The reason why I wanted to read all those things right here and now is because when we sing songs like that, it's kind of exposing, is it not? Fear of pleasing others, like, uh, yeah, that's kind of, kind of me, right? You know? Fear of death or trial, fear of humility. How many times have I heard, don't pray for humility, God will give it to you. I'm like, oh. It's kind of exposing. And oftentimes when those fears are exposed, our first reaction is to want to hide in shame, pretend like it's not there, justify it away, say, well, at least I'm not that bad compared to that person, whatever it might be. But Jesus says, you don't have to do all that. And me exposing the things in your heart is not so I can prepare to condemn you. It's so that I can show you the need for me and you can come to me and find healing, rest, for your souls that which satisfies which I've always made you for all along so I want to invite us to come if there's a voice in your head that's saying nah you've messed up too much nah like other people can come but what you've done or what you deal with you've been dealing with it too long we get some kind of cynical about it that's not the voice of God the voice of God says, come, just come, come to me. All who have it together, no. All who are burdened and heavy laden. So I just want to take a moment now, just you and God, in response to everything we've sung and heard, just whatever is burdening you, heavy, feels heavy on your shoulders, just give that to him. Give that to him right now. So Lord, I keep finding out that you're very different from what I've always assumed. For whatever reason, I keep assuming that you're a hard, vindictive God or disappointed God. But then I keep coming back to your word and hearing again, come. And realize, in fact, you're a healing God. You're a liberating God. You are the God who is above all yet. You love us deeply and you want us to come to you as we are so that we might be set free. So Lord, we lay down our burdens right now, choosing to trust 
you have a heart of love for us. And I pray that in laying all that down, that you open us up to now receive everything that you want to pour into us and overflow out of us. That we might learn to live as free people. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Whew. All right, well, keep, let's keep that frame of mind. All right, let's keep that, that openness to the Lord. Um, or if you're skeptical at all, that's okay. <laughs> I want us to keep, just keep coming to him anyway. Um, what, what we got to talk about today, it, hit, it hit, hits home with me big time. You know, every time I come up and preach, you know, there's always something that's relevant to my life in some way that this speaks to my life. But today, what we got to talk about feels personal. And my guess is it's going to feel personal for a lot of you guys too, if anything like me. But I do want to encourage us today. Understand the Lord loves you. He really loves you. And one thing we want more than anything else for anybody here is that we experience his freedom. And we walk as free people. And before we really get into our topic today, I want to set the stage. Because we're, we're in a liturgical season called Lent. Lent speaks to uh, this, this season we're in right now as a church, leading up to Palm Sunday and Easter. And during this time, we've chosen to go through a sermon series called Truly Free. Truly Free. I mean, that, that sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? Yeah, but, like, but what do we mean by it? That, that's, that's important. And more importantly, what does Jesus and what do the writers of the New Testament mean by this word free? Free. Because we often assume of freedom is uh, just the ability to do whatever we want. Or we think of freedom as a political or social freedom. It's, it's those in slavery or human trafficking or under abuse. Those people need freedom. And that's true. And as followers of Christ, you know, his love compels us to advocate for freedom on behalf of the others, especially the oppressed and the exploited. But our compassionate appeal for others' freedom finds its strength in the freedom that Christ works in us. So that's the kind of freedom we're talking about today, was the freedom that we all have needed and that we're all learning to live in. Two weeks ago, we defined freedom not as the ability to do what we want, but as a pastor named John Mark Comer said, defined it, freedom is the power to want and do what is good. In other words, freedom is the inner desire and ability to live out the good design of God for us, what our Creator willed. But before Jesus, we were not free people. We were not free people. That before Jesus, remember this thing, everybody? Some of you are like, I don't know how I can miss that thing. Like, it's massive. Before, before, before Jesus, we weren't walking in the freedom of God. We did what we wanted, not what our Creator willed. And all of this bound us in a prison of our own sinful desires. And there was no way to liberate ourselves from this. No man-made religion, no amount of good deeds, no amount of philosophy or human thought. None of that could liberate us. And we were bound in this, just following our will, our desires, unable to walk in the freedom of God. For that reason, Jesus came. And Jesus came, 
in coming, he suffered and he died the death that we deserved to pay the penalty for our sin. And when he rose, he rose with the keys that unlocked the cage. And then when we choose to follow him, we are choosing to step out of that cage toward freedom. Realizing that sin no longer has power over us anymore. Because he broke the power of sin over us. We are free people. If the sun sets you free, you are free in? Deed. Yes, you're truly free. But once we step out, that begins the process of learning to live as free people. Because even though we have been set free, sometimes we look back at the cage and we're like, um, it was kind of familiar in there. Sometimes kind of cozy. That we find those old prisons of lust and self-hatred. Pride. As awful as it sounds, in some ways, it makes us feel in control. It's controllable. It's familiar. But then as Christians, we've got to remember, this door's been unlocked. And we have the ability, as those who are in Christ, to step out. But this prison is often built not with concrete stone or iron, but with deception and lies. Things like God doesn't really care about you. Or you deserve better than what God has given you. I could go on and on. But it's built on these things. For that reason, Jesus said, I have come to set you free. And he said, if you follow me, I will show you my truth. And you follow my truth, that will set you free. Expose the very lies that keep you in so that you can walk in freedom. You can walk in the God's good design for you. And today, after kind of setting the stage and helping us remember how we're thinking through all of this, today we're going to talk about one specific kind of prison. And that prison is called anxiety. Anxiety. This is what, see, I told you, it's getting real. Like, this is, this is me, right? This is, I deal with this on a regular basis. But I'm not talking about the anxiety that is like a diagnosable mental health you know, condition, nor am I talking about anxiety that stems, stems from like grief or trauma, right? Those, those are very real, but, but we deal with those in different ways. Today, I'm mainly focusing on just that chronic state of unease, worry, fear that, that simmer underneath the surface of so many of our lives. And for so long, I was afraid to name it. I didn't want to name it because I was like, men don't get anxious, you're not supposed to be anxious, but it didn't take away from the fact that I was. And by beginning to name it, I realized, man, this prison is not only common in, for me, it's common in a lot of us. And so for that reason, we're actually going to spend two weeks on this. This week, we're going to talk about the anxiety that is often within us. And next week, we're going to talk about how do you walk free in a society that is so anxious. We're going to hit on that a little bit today, but we're really going to dive into it next week. But if you know that anxiety often binds you, how can we live in God's freedom? So let's read the Apostle Paul's words to Christians living in a hostile environment called Philippi. The Christians in Philippi, they were not treated well, rejected, consistently facing the threat of persecution. Think how easy it would be for them just to open that door and go right back into the cage of anxiety? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, but instead, 
Paul says, Philippians 4, 4 through 9, Paul wants to give them a vision for what freedom looks like. And then instruct them on how to diffuse anxiety in exchange for God's peace. And then how to walk with the God of peace daily. So let's read together. What do you say? All right, we've got two people. Everybody ready? Yes. All right. I know we lost an hour of sleep last night. So that's, that's a thing. That's a thing. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Lord, I pray um, that we give us the ability to trust your grace and your love enough for us that we can get honest with ourselves today. That we can be honest with you. And that as we bring these things to you, that you can teach us and lead us how to walk in greater freedom and the freedom that you bought for us. Thank you, Lord, that even though sometimes when you expose things and it's hard, that you always do it because you are the glorious doctor who is leading toward our healing. We love you. We praise you. We open up our hearts and our minds to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So what we just heard from this passage is even if anxiety has defined your past, it doesn't have to be your future. Even if it has been a consistent struggle all your life, that there isn't, that Paul says, I want to point you to another way. But even though we know the Son has come to set us free indeed, that doesn't mean that when we follow Jesus, just all anxiety vanishes. But what he's saying is, here, I'm going to show you the way to live so it doesn't control us anymore. And Paul says, looking at at his words here to the Philippians, what does it look like to be a community of Jesus followers who are walking free? How do we know if we're living free? See, freedom in Christ, Paul says, looks like a joyful people who are patiently gentle with everyone. Freedom in Christ is like a joyful people who are patiently gentle with everyone. Joy. Trinity, we have the greatest news in the history of the world. The gospel of Jesus. That we were once in darkness and he came as the light of the world. That we were once alone, but God came in the flesh to be with us and give us his spirit. We were stained in sin. Christ became our righteousness. We were condemned. Christ took our place, paid our debt so that we might be forgiven. We were destined for death, but Christ rose again that we might be raised with him to eternal life. We live in a broken world, but Christ has promised that he's going to come back and make all things new. So with everything Paul can muster, he says, rejoice. And I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to keep on saying it if I have to. Rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord. Why? Because we've been set 
free. But I've read that verse so many times. I'm like, but Paul, like, I'm having a bad day. The world is a mess. That person was mean to me. Like, how do you expect me to have joy? See, joy isn't based on what's going on around us. It's also not a fake smile. It's not empty platitudes. But like Pastor David said last week, joy is not tethered and chained to life's circumstances. But to rejoice is an act, a decision of faith, to believe and trust in what God has done and what he has promised to do. The joy, as Paul points out, is the realization that in every season he said, the Lord is near. And there's a couple layers to that. Because the Lord is near. Yes, it means that if you are Christ's own, his very spirit lives within you. He's always with you. But on top of that, it also means that, yes, the return of Jesus is near. And that he is coming. And on the day of his return, he will make all things new. And creation itself will be set free from bondage and decay. And so joy is the realization, the step of faith. To know he is near. He is with us. And he's coming to make all things new. And that's good as done for the one who rose from that grave. And as free people, though, how do we then treat each other? Well, as Christ poured his mercy and grace on us, we show patient gentleness to others. Paul said, Let your gentleness be evident or clearly known to all. In other words, he says, as God's people, free people, are we known for being gentle, patient? Or I love another way to to translate that is gentle forbearance. The gentleness is not edgy, irritable, critical. It is strength under the control of love. It reminds me of a, of a Christian couple um, that Shelby and I knew back in the day who adopted an orphan into their home. And this orphan had been through all kinds of trauma, done a lot of bad things. But they felt the Lord saying, hey, I want you to adopt this child into your home. So they did. And, and when they did, the child lashed out, had night terrors, stole food. But the parents patiently, gently continued to love that their ability to love and have gentle forbearance did not depend on how that child treated them. That came from a different source altogether, which is how God, their father, had already adopted and loved them. The gentle forbearance is the freedom to love no matter how somebody else is treating us. So you see, joy and gentleness are not shackled to the events around us or how people treat us, but they are responses of faith and love because of the freedom we've been given. You guys tracking with me? Everybody's tracking with me. If you're not, I'll do it all over again. Like, I can't, I can't, because like this is so important. The joy, gentleness, these are pictures of a free people. And if we look back at this passage now, Paul, you know, follows this, though, with, with an imperative. He says, do not be anxious. Why? Why does he then follow with that? You know, if we saw that a free people are marked by joy and gentleness, then what, is it, what do anxious people look like? 
What does what what a community of anxiety tend to look like? Well, very much the opposite of what we described. Because anxiety looks like a people who assume the worst or dwell on the worst and are quick to react. It helped me to understand better that anxiety isn't just fear or worry or unease, but it's those, that very, that very, those very qualities put us in a state of reactivity, reactive to the world around us. But let me explain that better. Let me show you how we get there. See, first, if we're going to understand where anxiety comes from, we've got to trace it all the way down to its root. And the root of anxiety always stems from some kind of lie, which sounds something like, I can be at peace or I can be okay when fill in the blank. I can be okay when my kids act how I want, when that person approves of me, when I live up to the expectations set for me, when that situation is resolved, when the bad news stops being bad, then I can be okay. Have you ever tried to fill in that blank with anything? Looking back over my life, I've tried to fill that blank with, I can be at peace, I can be okay when people approve of me and they admire me. And that lie built a prison around me called anxiety. And what held me there is I wanted to be free from it. But I believe that the way you get free from it is I, just, I have to keep trying to, to live up to people's expectations or I have to keep trying to make people like me or I have to, to, to do things that, that, that cause admiration. I'm like, I can't do it. I kept failing and keep failing and kept failing. And when I fail, what happens? Anxiety. Anxiety. Or even when I fear I'm going to fail. Anxiety. And now that may not be how anxiety affects you. That may not be the root lie for you. But I realize anxiety hits all of us differently, but it doesn't just affect our minds, but it affects our bodies and even our relationships. I mean, have you ever felt your heart racing, your mind spinning, your body begin to tighten, your jaw tighten, your, your, your gut all tied up? Man, at the effects of this very prison, Or maybe your mind's spinning and it's consistently blasting you with criticism. You should be better. You're just a screw up. You shouldn't worry. (laughs) And many times I've I've assumed that voice is God's. It's not. It's not. But when we start spinning or our body gets anxious, we begin to feel overwhelmed or just frozen. And we start to feel like in that prison, like our whole, our body and our mind or like being controlled like puppet strings. Do you imagine like the Pinocchio, right? The, the puppet, the strings coming from it, that like this circumstance, boom, changes, and all of a sudden we're reacting. That person says something we don't like, boom, we're reacting. We see, we all of a sudden a fear comes to our mind, boom, we start reacting. Yeah, and we're not free. We're not free. We're just reacting that instead of the joy in the Lord, anxiety focuses our our attention in the world or in other people and all that's wrong. And instead of joy, I've ended up irritable, low-grade energy, not excited, even depressed. Or instead of gentleness, anxiety makes us angry, inflexible, cold. I've said hurtful things to others, become rigid, 
or even separated myself from people. But so much of this, when you trace it down to its root, comes from this lie that I need this to happen to be okay. I need this expectation to be met in order to be at peace. And if you experience anxiety in any shape, form, or fashion, have you traced it down to that root? And if you had, what did you find? But when anxiety runs our minds and our bodies, we're not free to rejoice in the good news. Nor are we free to love others with gentle forbearance. So when we realize anxiety is a real struggle, what do we do? If anything that I've just described sounds awfully familiar to you, then Paul, tell us, what do we do about it? Well, he says, before you try to do anything else, first come to God with it. And to step out from anxiety's grip, we must first notice, name, and diffuse it with God. So Paul, after he says, do not be anxious about anything, he follows, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul says, you want to experience God's joy and you want to love patiently? Then bring every situation that causes you to feel anxious. Bring it to him. Well, how do we do that? Well, before we can present any request to God, we must first notice the anxiety in you or in us. The late pastor and author David Seamans said, you cannot confess to God what you will not first admit to yourself. And for years, I didn't want to admit I was anxious because that felt weak. Or I didn't know what to do with it. Or the voice in my head said, you shouldn't be anxious, even though that didn't change the fact that I was, right? Like, you should get over this. And then the shame often kept me from even just admitting it. But do you notice a spinning mind? Do you notice that tight body? Do you notice a, 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 a racing heart? Or have you noticed certain situations tend to make you reactive or insecure or full of worry? And if you are like me, have ignored that for a long time or just keep shoving it down, the, just the first step of noticing it may be the most difficult. Because we, we have to take a step of recognizing this is actually for our freedom. It's kind of like when my kid skins up their knee. I'm like, no, Dad, don't look at it. Don't look at it. And I'm like, come on. Like, I, I can't do anything about it unless you let me see it. But we gotta, if we're so used to just coping, we haven't taken steps of healing. And just noticing is the first step. But after you notice, God wants us to name it in prayer with him. And by naming it, we expose it to the light so that we can bring about greater freedom. But won't naming it make me think about it more and make me more anxious? No, because when we name it, we're actually releasing it to God. We're letting go of it. But I have a lot of anxiety. Are you sure God really cares about all of it? Listen, this is what God's word tells us to do. And in 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, cast, throw, chuck, hurl, whatever synonym you want, all our anxiety on him because he what? Because he what? Because he what? I'm going to keep asking until everybody in this room says it. Until he what? Cares for us. 
Does he care for you? Yes, he does. And that's exactly why he wants you to bring every situation to him that causes his anxiety so that he can bring his freedom. Yes, come on, Carolyn. You can get up here and preach. Yeah, no, you're, I, I appreciate you. Because when, because when I first said, I'm anxious because I want other people to approve of me, I was like, ooh, that's exposing. That's gross. Like, I, I was like, oh, I, I don't want to see that side of myself. That feels arrogant. And God's like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you got some pride I need to deal with in this. But by naming it, I'm actually taking a step trusting that God's grace is going to meet me there. And by naming it, I'm trusting that he actually does want my freedom and that he has a better way for me. And then after noticing and naming it with God, we can diffuse anxiety's power with gratitude. Paul said, present your request to God, key part, with thanksgiving. Now, why is that so key? Why does Paul throw that in there? Because see, anxiety consumes our thoughts with all that's wrong, all that's not right, all that isn't as we think it should be. But after exposing the source of anxiety, gratitude then trains our minds to see God's goodness. It's like when anxiety is, is flooding us with the current of, I'm a failure, they hate me, the world's a mess. The simple and sincere act of just saying, thank you, God begins to redirect our thought pattern toward the reservoir of God's peace. And so as we notice it, name it in prayer, diffuse it with gratitude, that's the promise. And instead of anxiety, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Transcends all understanding. When I'm anxious... The thing I think I need most is understanding. I need to understand why, God. I need to understand what's going to happen. And sometimes God gives us answers to that. Sometimes we simply can't comprehend that. But he says, but I got something that even better for you. Something that transcends, is of better quality than understanding. And it's available to you all the time. And it is my peace. It is my peace. That when our insides feel like a storm, God's spirit can speak calm over us just as Jesus spoke and calmed the waves on the Sea of Galilee. And so as we make this habit of noticing, naming, diffusing these thoughts of anxiety, his peace becomes like a guardian over our hearts and our minds. Imagine a fortress of peace around your hearts and your minds. But let's look, at, look back at the passage again, because there's more. Because he says we're not just freed from, but we're also freed for. That we don't just walk free from anxiety, but for, as we saw earlier, joy and freedom to, to, to love people with gentleness. That's truly free. And we discover a life of true freedom as we learn to walk with the God of peace, Paul says. See, Jesus didn't come just to subtract the bad things but to overflow our lives with his goodness. That anxiety like a thief may have once ravaged your mind and your heart leaving it exhausted, always alert, edgy, reactive. But now that peace guards it, Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, 
Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Fill your mind with that. So if you realize that, that lie in your head, which for me was you can be at peace when people approve of you. If you realize that's a lie, now I am learning, this is something I'm learning in my life, to consistently remember his truth. That instead, I am a child of God. I'm already approved because of what Christ has done. And as I learn to think on it, repeat it, meditate on that truth, I do that until those anxiety-laced thought patterns begin to change. It's not always right away. But over time, they begin to change just like a muscle that we begin to strengthen. And I've noticed, or, or if you've noticed, then anxiety tends to be paired with every time you watch the news. Or every time you scroll Instagram. Or every time you talk to certain people. And that's the point where we say, Lord, how do I manage that? Do I, need, do I need to take a break from certain things? Or do I need to create space and time to fill my heart with what is pure, beautiful, good? And that includes, yes, getting into God's word, but God's goodness and beauty and truth are all around us in our lives. I remember one day, <laughs> I wasn't planning to share this, but I'm going to. Remember one day I came home from work. I was tired. You know, when you're tired, you just get anxious a lot easier. And little things were just kind of getting at me. And I thought the thing that I needed was just to sit and relax when my kids said those words. Dad, play with me. And I was like, this is not what I need. <laughs> right? I'm tired. But as I stopped and began to play with them, we played this game called Hide and Seek Tickle Monster. Don't ask about the rules. All right? <laughs> Like all of a sudden, I began to just to enjoy this innocent fun with them. And I started to laugh. And my mind began to be filled with how much I love them and how much I enjoy them. And all of a sudden, I realized that's a picture of freedom too, isn't it? It's a picture of joy and gentleness and love. And that when we turn on the TV, man, do we, do we just go to something that, that, that stimulates us or do we go to something that reminds us of the beauty of God, the goodness of God, his justice, his mercy? And anxiety, I've often forgotten just to laugh, just to have fun. That's of God too, right? That as we fill our minds with God's truth, goodness, and beauty, what happens? That's the very soil within which gratitude and joy naturally grow. And those are the very things that are defense now against anxiety. You guys checking that out, right? Like everything Paul says to think about, that's the rich soil for gratitude and joy. But freedom isn't just about our heads and our hearts, Paul said. It's also meant to be a lifestyle. And so Paul ends with whatever you have learned, received, or heard, or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. That Paul acted like a spiritual father to them. And just like kids learn by emulating their parents, Paul says, I, you're going to learn freedom and joy by watching my life. And here was the example of a guy who was in actual jail, and yet his words overflowed with joy and freedom. Because he was a man that circumstances did not hold his primary focus. For Christ. He said, Christ is going to be exalted in my body, whether in life or death. 
And as Christ gave his life for us, Paul says, I freely pour out mine as an offering, a sacrifice, in service, gentle forbearance for them. He said, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, he pressed on toward the goal to be with Jesus. Those are all words of freedom. Do you hear that? And we realize when we, are, when we learn freedom in Christ, no physical prison, chains, or circumstances can take away the freedom Christ has given us. But as Paul modeled, we learn to walk in freedom as we daily decide I'm dying to my old self today. I'm renouncing all that I think I need. And I'm all yours today, God. I'm all yours. Surrender our lives again and again to the one who gave his life in love for us. And while we can't see Paul's life, who around you? Are there mature Christ followers around you that for you are just a picture of joy? A picture of gentle forbearance. Maybe sit down with them and say, hey, how do you live in that? Or somebody that just, just is a picture of freedom in Christ. Maybe watch them for a while. Because sometimes the way we learn is more caught than taught. By watching somebody instead of just hearing words. But as we learn to walk with Christ, our restless, anxious hearts find their peace. And God wants us to release anxiety to him so we can walk with him in peace and joy. So just the nature of things. We swim in a society that finds its fuel, its energy from anxiety. Make more money. Climb the ladder. To-do list keeps growing. Your phones keep buzzing. 24-7 news never stops reporting. The onslaught of deadlines, demands, and devices never take a day off. It's a badge of honor to sleep less and work more, right? After we've met one set of expectations, we have a whole other set of expectations waiting for us. If you have young kids, you're supposed to be able to cook, text, and wipe boogers all at the same time, <laughs> right? And the experts tell you, you shouldn't be texting around your kids, Right? It's like, it's, like I, it's, it's all too much, and it's all never enough at the same time. That's not freedom. And sometimes we just want to yell, stop! Right? And if that's you, then listen to Paul's words again. But this time I'm going to read them slowly, and we're going to take deep breaths. This time don't hear it as one more thing you must do. Or one more thing that you're not doing right. Hear it as an invitation into the free life. As, as one pastor in New York named John Tyson calls, it's an invitation into a beautiful resistance. And instead of floating down the restless, anxious currents of society around us, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends and is better than all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. So much of myself, I wanted to read that faster. I wanted to read it faster because I'm anxious about being done on time. But then I had to remember, why? We're here to meet with God, aren't we? We're here to allow him to set us free, to focus on his word. And even if you fell asleep while I was doing that just then, perhaps that's what you needed. (laughs) Perhaps that's God's peace over you right now. That's okay. But as we slow down to name or to notice to name, diffuse it with God, we can see his peace is going to guard us and we learn to live as joyful, free people to love. Will you stand with me if you're able? God, I do thank you that we are not victims to anxiety. Yes, anxiety feels all-consuming for many of us. Yes, sometimes it feels like there's no way out. Yes, sometimes we feel like I just can't get over this. Why am I not better by now? And, it's, and we just want to condemn ourselves, but that's not you. Instead, you've, you are leading us Jesus, in a path of come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So God, whatever lies are underneath the root of the anxiety in our lives, will you expose them? May we be able to name them, and may we turn to you to, to, in gratitude to remember what is true and beautiful and pure and good. And may that be the soil within which joy begins to grow in this place and we learn to love each other with gentleness and patience. In your name, amen.